the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening once again, everybody. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, as long as the dangers to the church, to the people of God are out there, we will continue to give you the warnings that were put in the Bible. They were put there in the Bible by the Holy Spirit of God, by God, by Jesus, so that we would be careful to not fall into the traps that are laid for us, whether through Satan, through uh, false people in the church, whether through our own carnal desires, God wants us warned, and he thought enough about it to tell us. We're talking about the five warnings that you can find in the book of Hebrews. This is week number four. And let's see, in review, week number one, we spoke about the warning found in Hebrews chapter two against spiritual drift or neglect. Remember, if we neglect so great a salvation, you don't want to neglect it. Week number two, we spoke from Hebrews chapter three about developing an evil heart of unbelief. Very dangerous. This is the church I'm talking about, saved people. Number three, we found this in Hebrews chapters five and six, as the writer spoke about the danger from spiritual immaturity and stagnation, not growing. Very dangerous also. Today's lesson, probably the most severe warning you're going to find in the entire New Testament is from chapter 10, verses 26 through 31 in Hebrews. And it talks about the dangers of disrespecting our Savior. I mean, the writer of Hebrews wrote all this because he knew it would happen. You know, I said before, you know, nobody has to warn me about rockets coming through my bedroom window at night because that's not going to happen. Nobody has to warn me about elephants knocking me down in the street as I'm crossing the street. That's not going to happen. The things that we get warned about are real The danger is real, therefore the warnings must be real, and we must take to heart the things that we're being warned about. Once again, today's lesson, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31. I'm going to read them to you. It talks about the danger of apostasy coming from disrespecting our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read uh, those six verses together. I want you to catch it, and then I'll go back, and I will break them down for you. Hebrews 10, verse 26, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, 27, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries of God. Verse 28, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Verse 29, Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified 
an unholy thing and hath done so despite unto the spirit of grace. Verse 30, for we know him that hath said vengeance belongeth unto me and I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I could probably make a fortune betting that not a single person who's listening to me has ever heard that scripture taught on. It's not good news. It's not happy stuff. And in today's climate where the church is trying to appease people uh, who are in the church and trying to win people to come to church by softening the hard tasks that are found in the Bible, by making easy and pliable the penalties for sin, those scriptures, they don't get spoken about. They don't get taught on because we don't want to convict people. We don't want to make them feel bad. We say the world beats them up. Uh, they don't need to get beaten up by me preaching the gospel. So they change the gospel. Well, the gospel doesn't beat you up, but it surely convicts you of your sin. And if we remove that aspect of the gospel, then why do we need a savior? If we don't tell people that they are sinners and just that Jesus loves them, that doesn't help anybody. The fact that Jesus loves them is true. The fact that Jesus also died for their sin needs to be told them so that it's more than Jesus loves you. It's Jesus loves you. You are a sinner. You are in danger of eternal damnation. And it adds an urgency when you preach the whole gospel because God knows it's been around for 2000 years, but we only get 70, 80, 90 years around. And that opportunity for salvation, that opportunity to repent is a huge part. Matter of fact, it's the very first step in our coming to know God. We preach the gospel. We tell the sinner that his sin is keeping him from a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit does his work. He convicts them. Yes, as you want to say it, he beats up on them. No, he does it with love. He convicts them gently, wooing them all the time. And we need to keep that in mind when we preach the word of God. Let's go back to verse 26. It's so important. For if we sin, who is we? Well, the writer of Hebrews, some say it's Paul, some say it's uh, somebody else that's not really known. That really is irrelevant at this point. If we sin, so the writer, this is very important, the writer is including himself in the scripture. He says, okay, if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for our sins. Look at the language here. If we sin, that includes me. So I'm reading this on the radio today. So if I sin along with you, if I sin willfully, when? After I have received the knowledge of the truth. Well, I think it's common knowledge and it's no hidden fact. It's not contradictory to the love of God and the grace message that Christians are still going to sin. Being saved, being washed in the blood doesn't mean we're going to be perfect from this point on. I don't want you to think the wrong things about this verse, so let's talk about sinning willfully and what does that look like. First, my opinion, all sin is willful. Nobody sins by accident. We choose to sin. Just like when we got saved, we chose to repent of our sin and to receive the death, burial, the substitutionary death of Christ and his resurrection, and we've asked him to come into our lives and be our Lord and Savior. All of that was done intentionally. So too is sin, for if we sin willfully. Yes, sin is willful, all of it. That's the curse of free will in mankind's unredeemed flesh in a fallen world. You got that? The curse of having a free will 
is that it's out of control. Now, yes, we get saved and the Holy Spirit brings a measure of control into our lives to lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. But by no means are we perfect. Why? Because we still have our flesh. Our flesh has not been redeemed. The spirits of just men made perfect. That's what's happened. Our spirits are born again. We were dead in our sin. Our spirits, the spirit of man, was dead to the things of God. We got saved. I think I spoke about this last week. And now my spirit, through the, the new birth by the Holy Spirit, is alive unto the things of God. I have been enlightened, and yet I am not perfect. So it's important that you understand. John MacArthur writes it this way. We will fail and we will fall, but it should always be the exception and it should never be the rule in the life of the Christian, certainly not the habitual practice of our lives. Before we were saved, we chased after sin, true, but now that we are saved, sin chases after us. I love that. When we weren't saved, we ran after sin. We actually chased after it. We pursued it, getting high, uh, immoral sex, foul speech. Uh, lying, murders, cheating, just all sorts of depraved thoughts. We ran after that lifestyle. That's who we were. We were after our father, the devil. But now, as saved people, sin chases after us. If willful sinning is an individual's lifestyle, then that individual needs to be very honest and check themselves out before God. But I love that. Before we chased after sin, now sin chases after us. It's a totally different dynamic. Notice that the writer of this verse, for if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. Notice that writer includes himself in the text. If we go on sinning. So it is possible for a born again believer to continue sinning after he is saved. I'm sure the writer of Hebrews, whoever he was, had that right. I am also sure that writer still had areas where he fought sin. But we must also notice that it cannot be the lifestyle of the born again believer. But, you know, God is so wonderful. Look at this. Romans 11 explains that God never hangs us for our sin. He's already made provision for that, and his name is Jesus. But where we get in trouble is when we quit repenting. God knows we're going to sin. He goes, I get it. But just keep on repenting. As much as you sin, if your heart is right and you seek forgiveness, I've got it. It's yours. That's what leads to a sinful lifestyle in believers when we quit repenting. Let me give you Romans eleven twenty two. Remember, in that, Paul's talking about the Jews. They were grafted uh, out. They were broken off the branches for unbelief so that we could be grafted in. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God, Paul writes, on them which fell, the Jews, severity, but toward you, the Roman Christians, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise you also are going to be cut off. Isn't that fabulous? I love it. Let me explain it to you. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. Romans 11 talks about both. Obviously, the severity of God towards the Jews for their unbelief. He cut off those branches. Obviously, the goodness of God toward today's church, the Roman Christian, because he forgave us and grafted us in. Only if we continue in his goodness. Why do you think he says that? He doesn't say only if you quit sinning. He knows we're going to sin, but he says only if you continue in his goodness. The reason he wrote that is because we also learn in Romans that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. God knows we're going to sin. He's not going to hang us for that. We get in trouble when we quit repenting. That is so important. You must understand that. You don't get kicked out when you sin. You choose to remove yourself when you no longer repent. 
very, very important. That's why teaching by people like Joseph Prince is so dangerous. He says you only have to repent once when you get born again at the new birth. That's it. Everything else is covered under the blood. That is so dangerous. If we sin, we repent day in and day out. I can rob a bank on Monday. I can go to jail for 10 years. I can come out. Hallelujah. The sentence been paid. I can come out in 10 years and I can go back and rob another bank. I still need to have pay the penalty for that sin by repenting. I need to acknowledge it and come before Christ. In the world, you have to pay the penalty. In Christianity, the sin penalty has been paid, but you still must acknowledge it's wrong and you still must repent. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries of God. Let's read this verse very carefully. This is written to those who have received the knowledge of the truth. Remember, uh, verse 26, for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, I'm going to prove to you that he's talking about saints again. I know once saved, always saved has a lot of, they struggle with this stuff because it goes against what they want to believe. It goes against what man has taught them. They take scriptures that talk about election. They take scriptures that are out of context. Like for instance, for no man can pluck you out of God's hand. That's true. No man can. No demon can. But you can walk away. You have a free will. If God took away your free will and you got saved and that was it, you couldn't fall, you couldn't sin, you'd no longer be man, you'd be a puppet. God didn't make puppets. He made men. He made them as free will agents. You are accountable for what you do and what you say. And he will allow you to walk away, proven right here in these coming verses. Let me read to you. Okay, verse 27, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries of God. This is written to those who receive the knowledge of the truth. Once again, the writer includes himself in this group. Amen. And what is their attitude? It's a fearful attitude. What do we look forward to? A certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. Now hear me. This is very important. It's a fearful attitude. Why? Because they know judgment is coming and God is rightfully indignant towards them because unlike the world, they have known him and now they have rejected him. The world doesn't know what's coming to them. They don't believe the Bible. They don't believe in God. Only those who have known him and his truths are aware that they're in trouble. The world doesn't know they're in trouble. They don't know God. They don't respond to the Holy Spirit of God. That's why it's so important that the church tells them they are in trouble. But right here, they have a certain fearful looking forward of judgment because they know what God had said. Remember, they also know, according to verse 26, they have received knowledge of the truth. So they've received the knowledge of the truth. And so when they turn their back after that, they know that judgment is coming. They know what the Bible says about that. And so there is a fear amongst them. But the world doesn't have that fear, but the church does. Verse 28, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. The writer compares the attitude towards Old Testament Jews who despise God's word. So by turning your back on God in the Old Testament, they named you as someone who despised God's word. Here, it's the same thing. It just talks about now that you're an adversary of God. You're opposing God. You're in opposition to him. Verse 29. Of how much sorer punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing 
and hath done so despite unto the spirit of grace. That is some heavy duty stuff going on there. And once again, let me point this out. To me, as I'm reading this, this is the most fearful, disrespecting condemnation of mankind in the entire Bible. And it's that way because these people once knew God. First, sorer punishment. That's not reserved for unbelievers who never knew God. That is a punishment reserved for people who knew God. It's reserved for people who once knew God and then walked away and said, no, thank you. Sorer punishment. Unbelievers have their own punishment. This is not what this scripture is referencing. He is not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about believers who once knew God. Further, I love the way the Holy Spirit expresses himself. This is fabulous. He is an awesome writer. The way he writes about these folks. Prior to the rejection of Christ, these people, they had at one time been worthy of the kingdom of God. I love it. Prior to walking away, these people had been worthy of the kingdom of God. Actually, the Bible says in Hebrews, the earth was not worthy that their feet should walk upon it. But now, the only thing that these people are worthy of is a much sorer punishment. Spirit of God is so good. Let me read that again. Well, tell you what, I am going to read all three verses over again because it's so important. I want you to catch the context. 4, verse 26, Hebrews 10, verse 26, 27, 28, four verses in 29. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for our sins, but only a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries of God. He that despises Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses, their testimony. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done so despite unto the spirit of grace. Oh boy. Their punishment is most definitely rightly deserved. They have walked upon, they have trampled Jesus, the son of God. They have walked upon Jesus. I mean, can you believe it? They have walked upon, trampled upon Jesus, the son of God. That alone, that alone. But these are people who once knew him. They have not just forgotten or ignored or rejected or neglected the blood. They have named the blood. They have counted the blood as profane. The precious blood of the lamb, whereby these former saints were once sanctified. The world has never been sanctified by the blood of Christ. Only born again believers. I mean, I need to sit down with every person that believes in once saved, always saved. I need to go through this chapter alone. These six verses alone make the case that you can lose that salvation. The world has never been sanctified by the blood of Christ, only born-again believers. That's found in John 17, verses 17 through 19. Jesus is praying to the Father. Father, sanctify them who? The disciples. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I am sending them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. We are all sanctified through the truth, those of us who are born again believers in him. Remember, these folks know the truth. Not only do they know the truth, but they have been sanctified by the truth that they've known. No one saved, always saved here. Let's just let the Bible speak to us, folks, and don't worry about what man is telling you. Verse 30, For we know him that hath saith, Vengeance belongs unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, here we go. 
the Lord shall judge his people. What, we think God doesn't judge the church? We're not talking about Christ, God, judging us for our condemnation of sin. Jesus has done that. And once we receive that, that's taken care of. But he says it's impossible again to renew them to repentance. Those that have put the Son of God to an open shame. And here he just told us that if we do that, we are worthy of a much sorer punishment because we were thought worthy, but now we're only worthy of the sorer punishment. We have trodden underfoot. We have walked all over Jesus. We have counted the blood of the covenant. We were sanctified. We have profaned that. We've called it an unholy thing. And we've done that under grace. We've done that in the face of grace. That's why your nation, my nation, America, is in such huge trouble with God. We haven't just sinned like Russia or Cuba. We haven't sinned like France or China. We have sinned against grace. That holds a much sorer punishment. I am telling you, America's destruction is going to be horrible, folks. You need to pray for this nation. Hallelujah. Verse 30, for we know him that had said, vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. The Lord shall judge his people. I always thought that vengeance scripture meant that uh, he was referring to the enemies of God in the world. No, he's referring to the Christian in the church that has walked away. This verse really contradicts the notion that Christians cannot fall under God's judgment. When Christians oppose God by rejecting him, God says, I'm going to judge my people. I will devour my adversaries. Grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card, folks. The Word holds Christians to a higher standard than God holds the world to. Do you get that? The Word holds Christians to a higher standard than the standard that God is going to hold the world to. The world is only guilty of unbelieving. The Christian who walks away is guilty of believing and choosing to reject what they have learned They have counted the blood of Jesus as unholy. I cannot think of a greater sin. Well, Christians who turn away from God will find out just how much a sore punishment is. They will learn. Verse 31. This is terrible. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Wow. You know, we love the open arms of Christ. God, how much did you love me? Jesus opened his arms. That's how much you love me. I love you with everything I am, everything that I have, everything. I love you with that much. And now here we are seeing that it is a fearful thing to fall into those hands, the nail-scarred hands that shed blood for you, the healing hands of the Lord Jesus Christ that would heal today if we would only repent of our sin and turn back to him. Let me read this to you in the message translation. If we give up and turn our backs on all that we've learned, all we've been given, all the truth that we now know, If we give up and turn our backs on that, we repudiate Christ's sacrifice and are left on our own to face the judgment. And a mighty fierce judgment it will be. If the penalty for breaking the law of Moses is physical death, what do you think will happen if you turn on God's Son, spit on the sacrifice that made you whole, and insult this most gracious Holy Spirit? This is no light matter. God has warned us, that he will hold us to account and make us pay. He was quite explicit. Vengeance is mine, and I won't overlook a thing, and God will judge his people. And then it says, nobody's getting by with anything. Believe me. That's the message translation. I need to pray for you. I want to pray for you, but I need to pray for you. I don't want you going to hell by accident. 
I don't want you falling away because you ignored these warnings that uh, the Holy Spirit had the writer of Hebrews post. And this is just one book. This is just Hebrews, five warnings against apostasy. The one next week. I can't wait to get to that one. We'll close with that one. But let me pray for you guys. Hallelujah. Lord God, God of grace, God of mercy, God of the second and third and the fourth and the fifth chance, oh God. I pray for those that have fallen away, that are trapped into the apostasy, that have been taken out by false teaching, Father God, that have neglected so great a salvation, Father God, that have drifted away from you, Father God. I pray for those whose hearts have been hardened, Father God, by the deceitfulness of sin, O God. I pray that you give them mercy, O God. Father, don't let them go, Father God, when their bodies are shut down, when their minds are at rest at night, Father God. Win them, woo them, wow them, wonder them with your presence, with your goodness, with your grace, O God. I pray in Jesus' name, Father God, that they would not be lost, but they would return unto you, the shepherd and the bishop of their souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.